Debating uh, how I was going to open this morning, um, we're moving into uh, a new series as we transition into the uh, Easter season, and um, so what I thought that, that I would do is I would ask you to think about what is the most selfless act that you can imagine or that you have seen or, or that you are aware of. Um, and so I thought many of us, you know, uh, are followers of Jesus, so that might be too easy for you. You might just be like, well, God sacrificing his son or, you know, Jesus dying uh, on our behalf so that we didn't have to, to pay the debt uh, for our sins. And uh, it's always my preference that when I'm in your position and uh, Pastor Doug is up here that, that he makes me think and it's not just a sit and get on my part that I actually have to kind of uh, contemplate things or reflect on things so you're not allowed to have Jesus as the answer. Okay, so uh, we're going to change the question to what is the most selfless act that you are aware of not counting what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so uh, I won't ever ask you to do something that I haven't tried myself. Um, and I spent about nine minutes on it, and I was like, that's not a good question. Because I was overwhelmed with all the different options, which I, I guess is good. Um, but I didn't really know like what the ranking category was on selfless acts. Like this is a selfless act, but it's even more selfless than this act. You know, like I let James have a bite of my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That doesn't like compare to some of the other stuff, but I really like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, so it, I kind of, you know, went, went down a, a little uh, sidetrack there. So, so I'm completely changing that. So what I want you to think about is what is a selfless act that you got to experience? Okay, so it could be something that someone did something selfless for you that you experienced. It could be something uh, where you were present for it, where you watched it happen, where it was uh, a neighbor, where it was a family member, where it was a friend. Just come up with a selfless act. I won't have you rank it in the grand scale of all selfless acts of all time. Just come up with a selfless act. And once you have it, just kind of stick it in your back pocket because we're going to come back to it. But you got to have it because when we come back to it, we're going to have to call it up real quick. Okay? So you won't have to rank it 1 to 10, 1 to 100, anything like that. You just need to come up uh, with a selfless act so we can can reflect on those. But I'll just tell you what mine is. Um, it, it's not the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, um, though I was proud of myself for giving that up. Um, my cousin, Carson, I just I wasn't able to, to be here last weekend. I missed you guys. My cousin, uh, Jeffrey, was getting married in Texas, so we were able to go out there and see him. Uh, but my cousin, Carson, who is 20, um, has decided last year in the summer, he went with his a college church group to Africa, and they did a 10-day trip in Africa and ministered to some of the people there and uh, did different things. And so he has decided um, this summer, instead of doing that 10-day trip, he and his friend are going to go on their own ahead of time, and they are actually going to do two months in Africa. 
they're going to get to see his group in that 10-day overlap, and he's going to, uh, his girlfriend is with that group, so he'll get to see her uh, for a little bit as well. But he is spending two months of his summer vacation while a college-aged person in Africa doing ministry with some of the tribes over there, with some of the people groups over there. Uh, and I saw that as at least kind of in the last uh, week or two as as my selfless act, is what I would think, because I reflected on what I did uh, in the summer during college, um, and it was not going to Africa and and helping people. It was mostly like sleeping in and trying to come up for with excuses for why I shouldn't go to class or um, you know playing intramurals or something like that. It was not um, serving people in Africa. Um, but when I think about Jesus, when I when I think about uh, what we focus on when we move into the Easter season, I think it's going to be really significant that we look at uh, selfless love. So um, we're going to start our, our series, and we're going to look today uh, at Mary, the mother of Jesus. So uh, if you will turn with me, uh, we are going to read in the book of John, chapter 19, and it's verses 25 through 27. If you are using the Pew Bible, we're going to be on 1086, and then it'll wrap over to 1087. When we read through this account and this uh, description that, that John uh, tells us happened uh, on the cross with Jesus, John is the only book in the Bible that describes this interaction, and actually John is the only book in the Bible that specifically mentions Mary, Jesus' mother, being present at the cross. All right, verse 25 says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is uh, a significant interaction uh, that John clues us in on. Uh, there's different debates about why John is the only one that mentions it. Um, and when you see the reference to the disciple who Jesus loved, that is John. So potentially one of those reasons is John appears to be the only one of Jesus' disciples that is actually at the foot of the cross experiencing this conversation and experiencing uh, firsthand uh, the suffering that Jesus is, is going through on the cross. Um, but this really helps to reiterate for us the humanity of Christ. The fact that as the oldest son, it was his job, it was his responsibility to make sure that his mother was taken care of. Uh, the understanding here, because he is doing this, is that uh, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, had already died. And so he was the one responsible, and he was, in essence, uh, moving his responsibility as he was dying to John. And now John was the one who was going to take up the responsibility of caring for Mary. And when you read in Acts, you see that Mary is a part of the disciples and, and part of that first group 
of believers that is really starting uh, to be integral in, in how we see uh, the, the message of Jesus uh, passed on. Um, Mary is experiencing her oldest son going through one of the most horrible deaths and one of the worst ways to die that exists. Um, in Luke 2, um, when Mary takes Jesus to the temple, she has an interaction with Simeon. Um, Simeon comes up and blesses them, and, and he says this to Mary. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will, spoke, that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. When, when I have read this interaction between Simeon and Mary, it's always around the picture of the birth. And it's Luke 2, and we're talking about all the things that, that Jesus did when he was a baby and the things that he encountered and the different things like that. And so uh, this sentence has always been here, but it's not ever really been anything that I've uh, paid a lot of atten attention to. But the very last thing Simeon says to Mary is, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And I'm not sure how Mary took that while holding newborn baby Jesus in her arms. Um, and honestly, having never had to encounter anything uh, like the death of a child, I, I don't know what it is like that she's experiencing there. But I wonder if she didn't reflect on what Simeon said to her 33 years previously and felt such agony, such distress at seeing her oldest son suffering like this that it must have felt like a sword piercing her soul. But her very presence at the cross, I think, is an act of selfless love. Her presence does not impact the outcome. Yet she chose to be there, to be present, to experience a really bad time in her son's life. But thinking from the parental aspect, I would want to be there. I would want to be looking in their eyes. I would want to be telling them, it's okay. It's almost over. We're getting close. I'm here with you. And I think in many cases, when, when people are going through difficult times, when, when struggles are happening in other people's lives, I, I think, I don't, I don't know what to say. Never been there. I, I haven't experienced that. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I what if I don't uh, explicitly express my feelings? And I think sometimes just showing up is what needs to happen. Just just being present and letting your presence show that you care and that you want to be there to help 
if at all possible. Um, when I look at uh, what Simeon said, it, it's all this great stuff, and, and then it's that last line. Jesus is going to do great things. He's going to reveal the hearts, but a soul, but a sword is going to pierce your soul. Uh, the version that you have, if you're reading the the Pew Bible, doesn't have this. But when I was looking earlier this week, some of the other versions begin 25 with the word "but." And uh, if you have ever uh, been the recipient of a, a "but" sentence, it's it's usually not an enjoyable thing. You know, you, you've been doing a, a great job here at work. We really appreciate what you do for this company, but you're not going to get the promotion. Usually you begin the sentence with, with the positive and then there's the but, which, which contrasts it to the truthful statement. And, and so I was looking at these verses in, in the same way. And so if you're looking at the Pew Bible, you can just kind of mentally put in the word but if the word but is there, we've got a contrast that happens. So we're going to jump back two verses to 23 and look at the contrast between what the soldiers are doing in 23 and 24 and what his mother is doing in 25. 23 says, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. And you see, that is a reflection of us without Christ. We are focused on ourselves, on on selfish ambitions, on, on what we can do, on what we can accomplish, on what makes my life better. And then we see the contrast of Jesus and his mother. His, his mother making the decision and showing the selfless act of love of going with her son every step of the way. And then, of course, Jesus... We didn't need another awesome thing. While going through all of these things, while literally hanging from a piece of wood, doesn't worry about his needs and about his desires and about what he's going through, but identifies as the oldest son, he's got to make sure that his mom is taken care of. And that selfless act of love is almost incomprehensible. I think about how much I whine and cry and jump around if I hit my finger with a hammer or something like that. And I can't think about anything else. And Jesus is dying and making sure that his family is taken care of. So go back to your selfless act of love that we thought about earlier. And I want you to think not only uh, about the selfless act of love, but what motivated it? What was the drive behind the person who acted selflessly? Was it uh, for the glory 
so that they could, you know, be interviewed by the news and have that, you know, famous line, oh, I'm not a hero, I just did what everybody else was doing. Was, was it about making you indebted to them? I'll do this so that next time I'll be able to ask them back for that. Or was it love? Was it a decision on their part to put somebody else before themselves? To say, it's not about me, it's about you, or it's about others. I would wager that for most of us, it was love. It was the desire to put other people before themselves. It was a desire to see that other people's needs were met and that other people were taken care of. Um, I think about uh, some of the things that I hear and some of the uh, concerns and, and strife that exists as um, we move forward in our country and, and we move forward in our world. And, you know, there are, there are issues and concerns about, well, you know, people don't follow the, the teachings of Jesus like they used to. And, you know, if, if we would just go back to being a Christian nation and if, if we would just this and this and this and this. And I found this quote that I thought uh, summed it up pretty well. There are those who tell us confidently these days that the Christian morality is a quaintly obsolete affair, a garment so preposterously old-fashioned that up-to-date people would blush just to be seen wearing it, that the recognized sanctities like marriage and the family, they've had their day and ought now be left behind like the other barbarisms that we have outgrown. And, and I read that and I'm like, you know, I, I think some people probably feel that way. And, and that's a quote from uh, the Interpreter's Bible, a commentary in 12 volumes, volume 8. Um, as you can see, it's not like light reading. You know, it's, it's, uh, you kind of come here for a purpose. Um, it's for pastors to go and read and uh, see what other people have thought and researchers have happened. And so I got that quote out of here, uh, and this was published in 1952. So it turns out that in 2017, we seem to be having some of the same strife and questions and, and concerns about Jesus and, and about Christianity as they were having in 19. 52. And so what I decided this week is that I was going to do everything in my power to not concentrate on if Christianity was the cool thing or the hip thing or if uh, other people thought it was good or bad or what about the family and what about marriage and what about this. Here's what I decided. No matter what anybody thinks, selfless acts of love are never going out of style. Whatever happens around us, whatever happens to us, the important thing is what happens through us. How many opportunities are we given where we get the opportunity to commit 
a selfless act of love. I think probably the more we think about it, the more we're aware of it, the more opportunities God will present to us. And so I'll leave you with this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I would challenge us this week to intentionally seek out an opportunity to commit a selfless 